Podcast on this Monday evening. Uh, with me tonight, we have my co-host, Peter Ray Allison. Good, e- good evening, everyone. And our special guest tonight, Catherine Evans. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for having me. You have extremely pink hair. I, I do have extremely pink hair. I had I had a phase when I uh, I had a phase where I every girlfriend I had for a good ten years had pink hair. It was my thing. It's uh, all the girlfriends I had for for many but years. Than that, I, I don't think so. I can't see <laughs> your face, but I expect I'm about forty years too old. <laughs> no, no, no. Um. So, Catherine, who are you? What do you do? What's your thing? So, um, the reason I met. Pete is because I write science fiction novels young adults, quite a following with um, adults, thanks to lockdown. Um, I write kind of uh, contemporary uh, stories, but with a bit of a science fiction twist and a little spoonful of horror in the mix. So um, that's one of the things I do alongside running a farm and Learning two spaniels around planets. What sort yeah, of just, what know, sort of far- stuff? What sort of farm do you run? It, well, up until now, it's been uh, soft fruit, strawberries, and raspberries. But we've had a little bit of a break. Um, I think we're going to come back and start something new, but I'm not sure. Watch this space. I don't because I won't be here. I'll be out on the farm probably. <laughs> so that's some early mornings then. Early mornings and actually, I don't know. Is it early mornings if you've got sort of like if there's no cows and things for like me. That? No. Not for me. Well, no, we don't have any livestock, but my son, uh, my son works with livestock, and he doesn't seem to mind. <laughs> but not for me. No, I've done my stint of early morning. We used, I used to cut celery years and years ago, and we used to have to get up at four a.m. start work at five, so that celery would be on the lorry by midday. Four a.m.'s a bedtime, not a getting up time. <laughs> four a.m. That's just cruelty, right? That's just evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I swear I never saw... I was still awake at pretty much 4am every night of Sci-Fi Weekender. Oh, Sci-Fi Weekender. Honestly, <laughs> I felt like Friday... So, arrived Thursday. Amazing awards night. I mean, mind completely blown. Um, and then, of course, our wonderful friend receiving her, Bryony Pierce receiving her award. So we had to celebrate. And the whole thing being sponsored by Jaeger, my, my sir. And oh, I, no. basically, in any kill. That's carnage right, right there. Like a teenager. Teenager who had no concept of what alcohol would do to your body. <laughs> I was trying to impress I am blessed with how chill I was. <laughs> really, but- I just wanted cold flat my head and lie down but so you were you were trying to impress brian blessed by necking jaeger bombs oh no 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 the next day next day i probably still smelled of jaeger the next day (laughs) what even is it it's just what is it made of I don't cough know, medicine. but it's, yeah. cough medicine, basically. It, it's it doesn't taste too bad. Jaeger bombs don't actually taste too bad. Um, I remember the last, well, the last time I went big with the Jaeger bombs was a very long time ago because they they don't taste too bad because obviously the the Red Bull mixed with them kind of sort of gives it an all right taste and stuff. So I was going out with my uh, one of my exes at the time, and she 
uh, was bringing out a load of her friends, and I was just like, oh, I'm going to impress. I'm going to impress all the, the boyfriends and stuff like that. I gotta go, I'm an Irishman. i got to get drink big. So I started, like, necking. I was like, Jager bumps, Jager bumps, Jager bumps, Jager bumps. Like, ah, necking Jager bumps and stuff, going for it. You know, everybody else like, oh, Jager bumps? Okay, more Jager bumps going on. Everybody's getting drunk. And Matt's getting really drunk and stuff because he's, he's, <laughs> he's acting up like a child. So he's just sitting there kind of necking Jager bumps. And it got to the point where um, I knew, like, I, I've got this thing where I know when I'm really drunk and I'll generally stop, but I kind of push myself past that side of you and I went, oh my god i'm really drunk i'm like i'm really drunk and i sort of like remember sort of stumbling and then smashing into the bouncer by mistake and he just looked at me and i didn't even fight it i just went okay yeah you're right okay and i just walked i just I, I, I took myself i took myself out i sort of took myself by the scuff of the neck and walked out without an argument from the without arguing with the bouncer because i knew i was fucked i was like i was completely all over the place so i was like i know and then proceeded to sort of like initially sort of kind of do the whole sort of my girlfriend was inside at the time mortified that i effectively kicked myself out of a bar but i was like literally just like pulling up my top and pushing it up against the uh the window and generally being a nuisance and then proceeded to go oh i'm gonna be very sick and i just vomited everywhere <laughs> like everywhere and i thought this was great like, because it made me feel a lot better yeah, yeah made this... me feel a lot better about my performance yeah <laughs> there was feel... none of that well, you th- see, generally, I'm never like I'm never sick when I'm drunk, like ever. I don't. I think I've been sick twice in my life. Once being that time, and once when I was a teenager. Like I'm never sick when I'm drunk because I always stop myself just before. And because at that time, my ex was a big drinker, and she was always getting really drunk, and I was always having to sort of like hold her hair over the toilet and generally sort of look after her when she was drunk. And I thought this was glorious because I was being sick, and I was like, she's going to have to look after me for once. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was brilliant. So I was just like off, and I was just well enjoying the fact that I was having to get carried home and then having the bucket beside me in, in, in <laughs> bucket beside me in the house sort of the second. I was like, oh, oh hi, the table have turned <laughs> worst hangover ever what happened after... to that girlfriend Matt <laughs> oh, we broke up unfortunately <laughs> straight after that event <laughs> no I'm <joking. laughs> okay but yeah um, yeah well, well, we got diverted by Jager ones didn't we everybody gets yeah, diverted everybody gets diverted fault. by Jager no, that was not my fault that was the Jagermeister's yeah. fault it is always the fault of the Jagermeister yeah oh yeah yeah basically like uh, just staying up late every night until 4am and then just getting up at about 10 if i'm lucky and then trying to get back to normalcy like for the mondays like that was a struggle i mean i mean how did you find it like no i mean you don't wake up like no you don't wake up at 4am anymore thank goodness but when you're juggling like there are two jobs like the farm and you're writing how do you kind of find time for both Actually, it's a really good day to ask me that question because today has been a really difficult day. Oh. Uh, let me tell you about my day. No, not in a <laughs> terrible way, just in, in a juggling kind of way. So I'm really on a roll with my writing now. So it's it's at the front of my mind and I really want to be working. So I took the dogs out for a walk this morning. This is the kind of place I live. <sighs> Walking back and I decided to come up over, across the main road and there were two horses loose. The traffic is backed up in every direction. It's coming three ways. There was a car pulling out. 
um, from a side road, hasn't seen these horses. I'm trying to catch the horses and manage my two very excited spaniels. Managed to get hold of the horses on the on the verge. Somebody else has called the police. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, what do I do? I'm. You've met me, Pete. I'm very small. Two <laughs> large horses and two small dogs, but feisty. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Some a, a lady came to help me, which was good. And I'm like, I, what do I do? So I called one of their neighbours to try and get these horses. But meanwhile, the police have come along, and they're like, what are you doing with these horses on this verge? Uh, they're not my horses. I, I deny all knowledge of the horses. <laughs> Dogs, mine, not the horses. Anyway, sort it all out, and I get home, and then I've got a ton of stuff to do for the farm because um, I've just taken on some new stock. It's this new project that we're doing. Exciting, and there are things about to happen, and I, it's been ages since I've dealt with pensions. This is how thrilling it is, farming. You know, It's just like any other job as an employer. You've got to look after your staff. Um, and I didn't get to my writing until quite late this afternoon. Um, and then my children called me. My children who have left me to go to the other side of the world. So when they call, I drop everything. Oh, where about are they? So I juggle. And, and it takes me very long time to write a book. And um, sometimes it's really frustrating. But I also, I th- you know, I'm pretty sure I have ADHD. So in some ways it works quite well for me because I... You know, I'm in my 50s now. I've learned lots of coping mechanisms. And one of the things that I've always been able to try to do is if I cannot focus on one thing, I'll jump to something else that is productive but different. Yeah. Um, so that things actually get done. I um, I recently got diagnosed with ADHD with the potential for ASD. Um, and um, I understand that all too well. It's like you... You'll, if you're not interested in something, it will literally take those two wild horses to drag you to do something. It's like, it doesn't yeah. matter if you're in, it's like, like I love history and things like that. But when I was studying for history, I couldn't do it because it was forcing me to do something I didn't want to do. My brain just doesn't work like that. So you have to sort of yeah, kind it's of. It's like a physical block. It is it's a like physical a, block. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, yeah, la- can... it's not laziness. It's literally your brain going, nope, 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 nope. And yeah. if you try to do it, if you try to do it when you can't do it, you're like, uh, your brain's all it's doing is thinking about how horrible that thing is and how you could be doing something more productive with something else. Yeah. So it's like, I will, I'll be needing to do something. I like, I don't know, clean my house or something like that or put my Christmas decorations up or something. And I will literally just focus on something else and do something else because it's like, well, that's a bit more productive or I'll do that instead and not do the thing because I'm forcing myself to do it. I, my brain doesn't like it being forced to do things and stuff. So I have to sort of work around it. And I sort of find that I I, I dip in and out of things and so what i try to do is I, yeah. re- I reward myself so if i know i'm in one of those places where i'm just not going to do something i'll go right well i'll sit down and i'll do this but then i will yeah. get this done and then you sort of kind of bounce back and forth to try and get it sorted but i understand yeah. that feeling very very well yeah, yeah that's exactly it but you know i since kind of because i went through this thing i don't know if you did um do i want to get a diagnosis of AI? And in, after thinking about it, I thought, actually, it won't make any difference to me because I, I have learned how to manage my life. And I'm fortunate that I can. You know, it's structured in a way that I can. Um, but the one thing it did for me, accepting that that is probably the case, is it's allowed me permission to feel OK about the way my brain works and, and, and OK about my coping strategies. 
and it, and it's been a bit of a relief really to just go oh that's probably that and that's okay I will go and get on with that and then I can come back and do it but it, the hard thing is today was one of those days where I had to do the things I didn't want to do yeah, yeah. and the thing with, that I really wanted to do you know sometimes you get that intense concentration where you you just can't stop thinking about a thing hyper focus yeah you hyper focus hyper-focus yeah. was not on the work that I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's on it something else. Yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> so that was, a, it's been a tricky day. So yeah. that the answer to your question is complicated, <laughs> but somehow I, I chunk it down and just manage to get it done. And, you know, when the farm was going full tilt and I was a full-time mum, I was working full-time, full-time mum and trying to get my book deal, um, my first book deal. So I'm trying to treat writing like it's my profession it was really hard and I was really tired. I just pulled really long days and I did get up early and I did go to bed late. Um, and that was the only way to do it. But I'm grimly determined when I've decided on a course of something I want to do. That's the thing is you get hyperfocus is a it it's a bit of a double edged sword because it can be an absolute godsend if you want to do something and you want to do it like properly then you will sort of hyper and I, I you know i've got a lot of hobbies and stuff where i'm just literally where i just zone in onto something and there's nothing that will do and it'll even happen some work sometimes somebody will challenge somebody will do something or get me to do something and i can't figure it out but my brain will go you want to figure this out and you i will literally just spend hours days weeks abs- obsessing about this and it's great because you do this thing you figure it out but you've ignored everything else because you're all yeah it's great when it's the right thing yeah it's great it's great when you haven't got other things you're meant to be doing yeah i would i would say with the the diagnosis thing i was on the similar sort of view that i was pretty confident i had it um like I, i knew i had dyslexia and stuff ages ago but then in the last sort of like six or seven years i thought i'm pretty sure i've got adhd as well but it's one of those things it's like you know, maybe it's just me, you know, when people sort of say, well, this is what this is and this is, and you're kind of going, is that just me trying to put a squaring a circle or is it actually something I do? But like, as time went on, I said, yeah, I, I do that. I hyper-focus. I'm impulsive. I'm bad with money. And my, my, my memory's horrible. Um, I've got a bazillion hobbies. I've got all these other things. So every box was being ticked, like every single box. And... I was like, well, I'm aware of it now and I'm I'm kind of trying my best to sort of deal with it. And I had, like you said, I had coping mechanisms to deal with it, but I would fall off the wagon so much. Like I had certain things I knew I was doing it, but sometimes I just couldn't help myself sort of like, you know, um, doing, you know, just not doing things, not sorting things out. And I was just like, I need something to sort of i need some sort of other you know other coping mechanisms so i because one of my friends and my sister was diagnosed with it and they said it really helped um and they're on sort of i can't remember the name of the medication but basically it um it's not it's not it doesn't cure it but it basically gives you focus so that inner voice that's in your head arguing with you all the time is very is quiet the noise yeah, the noise inside your head's <laughs> quiet, and therefore you're, um, you're able to actually 
do tasks. So instead, obviously, that dopamine level, which isn't there, which only comes for the things you want to do, is that, that it's more of a straight line. So you can actually do tasks that you don't want to do because there's that that's minimum dopamine level that helps you actually start tasks and then sort of carry them on. So it was partially that, and it was partially just the sort of being able to justify why I was who I was. Now, the thing I had, when I talked to psychiatrists and stuff, and he, he kind of went through all these different questions and stuff like that, and he did sort of mention the ASD thing, um, which sort of kind of sometimes interlocks with ADHD. And um, he said, you're, you're, you're 100%, you're 100% ADHD with a profile for potentially ASD as well. And at that moment, I just kind of went, I got really upset. I had no idea why. I just sort of like was like at the time, no. I said I knew this was going to happen, and I I was pretty confident he was going to tell me that I was ADHD. But as soon as he told me, my eyes started watering. I got really sort of kind of upset about it, and it was it was like like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Like I knew how I was. As much all those struggles, everything I had done in the past, from being in school all the way up, you know, for the relationships, yeah. all kind of things, was in the way not justified, but it wasn't me just being thick or me being uh, lazy or me sort of. There was there was something, there was a chemical like that feeling you had that you knew something's wrong with you, but you just can't. You know, is it just me being lazy, or is yeah. it just you? Well, yeah, I mean, I would I I would frame it a little bit differently because. I don't think there's anything wrong with you. I think neurodivergence is a, it becomes a problem because we're expected to fit into a certain kind of way of behaviour. And um, if you don't fit in that, then people who are not neurodivergent don't like it. So I, I kind of view it in a different way mm. and, and frame it in a different way. It, it's it's difference. It's not, we're not sick. We're not poorly. It's difficult to function sometimes. I mean, my hardest thing, actually, is when I get kids in school say to me, how, how do you cope with this? And I'm like, I don't know how you cope with it in school. I don't know because you, you're so constricted. I mean, I was a terribly, I was so badly behaved at school. I mean, I'm ashamed. I've been back to my school since. They have let me back in, but I was banned from my school library. Some kids were asking me the other day, why were you banned? And I was like, you know, what did you do that got you banned? What I did, I I decided, here we go, some impulsive behaviour for you, Matt. And yeah. um, I decided it'd be a really good, fun idea to climb over the tops of the bookshelves and leap from the tops of the bookshelves from one to one. Yeah, like yeah. That. Yeah. So, I, and and I look at these kids who are saying to me, how do you, how do you cope? And I think I didn't cope at school. I was terribly badly behaved. I got no exam results. No excuses. I didn't do the work. But, you know, maybe. And maybe this is what upset you. Maybe you were upset for the kids that didn't have someone go, okay, this is what's going on. Here's how we can manage it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. It was more the, um, like, I got a I got a 2-2 in my degree. And I got a 2-2 by just literally doing nothing. Uh, it was just what I had in my head and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things. Had I had some sort of coping mechanism, I had something that maybe would quieten my brain. I, I could have actually done a degree, which I enjoyed. I loved my degree, the military history degree, and it was a really good degree, but I didn't give it everything because my brain was just like, this is Manchester, it's a new place, let's do this, let's do this, let's do all these other things. And I was flitting around and not doing what I should be doing, like studying for my degree. I did my dissertation 
of 14 and a half thousand words which i had a year for in two days i did it in two days oh that's so classic that, yeah. that, that's just classic yeah exactly so I, so I think by that stage i managed to sort a lot of my shit out it's just tiring yeah. it's just really tiring all the time just managing and trying to fit in to different you know to a world that doesn't really accommodate you yeah well that, that's, and it is that's exhausting it. I think there's certain like certain jobs. So the job I'm in now, and I had a job, not the last one, but one before that, um, because they didn't have a very pressure orientated sort of work. It was basically, you. This is your job. We want this basically by the end of the year. It's fine what you do in in between. Then um, that sort of worked with me. So in this job I've got now, they have certain things they want me to do, but there's no like loads of pressure. So I can, my mind can wander and I can do other things in between it. And because I work from home, I can sort of take myself off from my brain, sort of wandering, do my thing, but I'll come back. And because I can work later or I can start earlier and things like that, I can just do what needs to be done. And and it, and it, it sort of, and it goes well. So, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite, you know, people in, like me in work and i seem to be doing all right and stuff and it's because i'm giving my own sort of i'm giving my own sort of leeway to do it my way effectively and there's no like the last job i had was like you have to have this done by this if you're in five minutes even five minutes late you're gonna get shouted out if you do this you're gonna get sort of bollocks you're gonna get trailed into a room because of this and blah 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 i'm basically micromanaged and being micromanaged when you're adhd does not work at all so what what more of an example do you need of how there's nothing actually wrong with you? Yeah. Well, it's not it's not it's about just, I don't it's I think it's more like a different way of thinking like, like different different you learned how to approach life differently having a goal orientated yeah. rather than a scheduled regime. Yeah. yeah. You know where you've got to go to. That is a fixed point. Yeah. How you yeah. get there is your own route. You make your route yourself. But it's also like with, with it's also with me. I think it's more. I've made a lot of bad decisions, money wise as well. Horrible money. Put myself in a lot of debt a lot of times. It weren't for the fact I had very understanding parents. I'd be in a very bad place. Um. Um. And uh, you know, women as well. Bad decisions. Really bad decisions. Because you sort of. Uh, go I for will it. say one thing. Bad relationship is not just an ADHD thing. It's a human thing. I understand, I understand that. But I, I think me, when it comes to my, my history, uh, it, you, you probably kind of go, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely, a, I would tend to go for relationships that were rocky because fine, you didn't get the, the lows were really low, but when you got that high, you got that, that dopamine spike because you're thinking, oh, oh. And you're so, after uh, that dopamine hit. Yeah, so it was literally, it was like a, and, and so I would just go for certain types of women, and it was always rocky, and it would be like really low lows, but then really high highs because you know you're you're trying to crave that sort of kind of hit and stuff, and you'd be in relationships longer than you should be, and lots of bad stuff happens, and it's, you know I don't even blame them, I blame myself because it's something I should have been able to sort of see and deal with and I couldn't. I could tell other people, I could see it when it was other people, but it was me, I was always like yeah, but you know, I'm trying to be a nice guy and I'm trying to do this and blah 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 and there was lots of you know, other things, so the idea of maybe even having a little bit of, you know, medication or therapy or something when I was younger, just kind of going, look this is going to quieten you out. Maybe you would, you'll think about this more straight. That's sort of kind of, that's what upset me because there's a lot of things that yeah. I, decisions I probably wouldn't have made. But conversely, and this is what makes me feel better about it, is that there's a lot of people I would have never have met 
you know, I wouldn't have a dog. I wouldn't have a lot of, there's a lot of people who I cherish in my life that I wouldn't have had had I not made decisions either I made. I wouldn't be in this house. I wouldn't be in the, my friends down the road. So you've got, you know, that I'm the godfather to their son and stuff. Wouldn't have met them had I not made those decisions and stuff. And it's like, so I look at it that way. It's just like, fine. It's a yeah. line on the, it's a line in the sand. It's something that I, I reg- not regret, but it's something that I am upset about, but it's like, accept. I, you accept I, I, I accept it. Yeah. And then it's now yeah. it's sort of moving on. And because I know I'm more, because I know I'm more sort of, and it's 100%, it's not me just thinking, oh, I must be a bit ADHD because I saw something on TikTok. It's because I've been diagnosed. I know, right, this is definitely ADHD behavior or ASD behavior. Um, so, and, so, so you know the signs to look for. And then I, I can mean, sort of regiment yeah. myself slightly. Can, I mean, <laughs> does, can the life of a writer kind of fit in well uh, for, non, for neurodivergence? I, I don't know because you know I'm I'm who I am yeah um so I can't compare it to something else but I do know <laughs> I have many friends writer friends who are very definitely neurodivergent like quite a few friends who are autistic um um and that, maybe that's maybe the coincidence isn't the writing maybe the coincidence is the people I am friends with I I, I don't know I don't know it but it it works for me yeah it works for me because I'm quite prepared to chunk things down and fit things in when I can. You know, examples are like um, when my kids were little and I'd be taking them to ballet or swimming or whatever, I would be able to sit and work for just 20 minutes. That, have that hyper focus in that slot until I'm literally snapped out of it by a child with a wet swimming yeah, costume. Yeah. Um, and that that's that is a gift because lots of people can't do that. Lots of people need to have like eight hours to sit and think and come to something and work their way around it. And I, I would be chewing table doing that really, unless I was in a yeah state of hyper focus. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? We're all yeah. different, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I find I have like one day a week where I have like time to again solely just work through the entire day, but. Have, but every other day, it's like there's something happening. Like I've got to go, go down to the shops on a bike. I've got to go down to the field. I've got to go and do a food shop and what have you. Or I need to go to the doctors. Something breaks it up that day, which kind of makes it easier almost for writing because it's again it's a hyper focus element where you can just drop in. Right, I've got this time to uh, to write or research or email, and they can just drop in and drop out as need be. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 only, the only thing I would caveat is that, like today, I do find it really frustrating when it's all I'm thinking about and what I really, really want to do. I, I find it difficult to, to, to leave it, and it's like a... Gosh. It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it is what it is, and I, I just, for me, I'm just, I just... I feel like I don't have to make excuses for the way my brain works. I felt like... I've always felt like this. You know, my husband is completely different we met at university so he would be revising for his exams he would literally get up at six and work all day and go to bed at 11 and really and I would quite often be in his room uh staring at the ceiling or twiddling with a pencil or uh, going just faffing about stealing his biscuits or going in and out I just couldn't I could never do that I could never have that um 
kind of focus on revision like he has been able to do and he's been like that through his whole work life and, and I just I very rarely have it unless I get this these manic times where I just can't leave something alone mm. um but it's unlikely to be yeah. scholarly work um but we got the same degree you know I did fine in my degree it it, it I did what worked for, what worked for me I wasn't lazier I just my brain just work, works in very intense little bursts of activity and I just can't it is like a physical thing so, so I think we just learn to manage our brains and I, it would be great like Matt was kind of saying a similar thing if we could learn to do that when we're much younger and learn to accept that not everybody's brains work in the same way and we're not all able to do that you know it's like school is hell for some kids like my son really struggled and yet he's a really smart boy he's a really smart boy you know he's did really well in his degree because he found an engineering degree that really suited his his talents the school far from hanging out with his mates was a bit of torture for him doesn't it you know we're all different aren't we yeah. in so many ways in so many arenas yeah lots of i think i think schools now well my my friend uh they've got kids in school and they're a bit more sort of aware like her her son who is four they've already pulled her aside to say look you know he has certain behaviors and stuff like that we would like to sort of kind of have him tested for adhd and things like that and she's like well her father his father has it and stuff and you know and they picked up with this without her saying anything so they've yeah. obviously some schools are obviously very aware of these things now yeah. it, where in my day it was literally just don't be an idiot and sort of get on with it and stuff you know yeah. you're banned from the library you're banned, you're banned from the library yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so, I mean, I mean, school is, yeah. I've, like I say, I've got a 14 year old and she does really well at school. And I, I think you just got to find your own group of friends mm. and get your own, and they will kind of like, no, and the school will kind of, you've got your friends, you get your, and, you, and you, you know, they to, you know, obey the rules. They will help you. They will help you. They kind of become much more supportive now than they were back in my yeah. day, I think. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think, you know, I, I spent a lot of time doing school events. You know, I write for teenagers. So I, I, I and oh gosh, I love being back in school. And um, one thing it's shown me is that the difficulty is with kids like me, I'm quite smart. So even though I did really badly in my um, GCSEs because I did literally no work, I was able to pull that round when I went, I, I left that school, started again and did A-levels. I was able to sort that out. That shock probably was the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest. Um, but the kids who were in that school who maybe weren't that smart and who just wanted just wanted to work, but they've got an idiot like me who is just constantly messing around. And I was honestly, I was awful. I was a horrible, noisy, rude kid. Um, it, it's no good for those other kids. And I feel so guilty because I look at some of the quieter kids I meet in schools now. And I, I just think I, I, if you were, if I'd have been in school with you, I would have ruined school for you. Not because I was being mean to them, just because I was like, oh, look at me climbing on the out the window. Um, yeah, it's difficult. It's really difficult. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. Good friends. Good yeah. friends make all the difference. Yeah. Them. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, school was pretty much a nightmare for me because I didn't have that support mechanism there. And but. Yeah, thankfully, my um, my eldest two are in the same school together, and not only they've got each other, they've got their own circle of friends. So it just kind of grounds them a bit and kind of gives them that kind of safety net, so to speak. That's good. That's yeah. good. My I sister mean, wouldn't speak to me at school. I had to walk behind her. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> don't. <laughs> I hope they don't listen to this. I've just realised my mum and dad never knew about the library. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> they won't listen to every time. Oh, or or will they? Hello, <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, I was laughing. They are lovely. It's my baby dog. My oh. baby dog. Oh. A little puppy. Oh, they are lovely. That's lovely. <laughs> so, I mean, you mentioned you go into schools. I mean, what do you do with schools? And... So I go, I do uh, a mixture of things. I do talks on the themes in my books. So Beauty Sleep um, is, well, the theme I talk about in schools is how, about how social media affects our perception of what we consider to be beautiful and the impact that has on us. You know, it's about a girl um, who is put into cryostasis in 1986 and she's revived a little bit in the future. So she's like a real life sleeping beauty. And she's famous when she's revived. She's the first person to have gone through cryostasis and, and be um, successfully brought back to life. Um, but she has to suddenly deal with a world that is full of social media. And, and not only that, her image is stolen and used to sell clothes because she's a famous person. So it, it, that's one of the themes in the book is looking how those kinds of things um, affect uh, our perception of ourselves. Um, and so I do a whole talk about body image um, for assemblies, and it's really funny. Uh, it goes through the years about how women's bodies are meant to be fat and thin and fat and thin and fat and thin um, through you know, Twiggy and then Marilyn Monroe and right back through history. Um, so that's quite a popular talk, assembly talk I do. And I do that's talks true. about my writing career because, you know, I'm, re I'm resilient, not giving up because... I think I told you, Pete, it took me 15 years yeah. to get my first deal. Seriously trying. So I do a talk about that. Obviously, talk about books. I'm. This is my my geekdom is books. I, and to be honest, they've been my saviour all my life. All my life, even when I was being awful at school, I would never have wanted anyone at school to know that I would spend every every free minute I had in the public library. You'd have never seen any of my friends in the public library, but I would have been. And uh, just devouring everything, I, you know, that's where my love of science fiction came from. Is is chomping my way through the classics. I, mean, I didn't know that's what what they were. I was just reading these amazing stories about um, alien invasions and plants that came to life and tried to take over the world and oh, midwitch cookies. I remember reading this book and thinking, oh my God, this is a, this is this is like a fairy story and a horror story. <laughs> it just power in those stories um so, well you can tell how animated I am when I'm talking about <laughs> books and so I talk about I talk about books I sh and, and I share that with the, with the kids and why I think it's important to read because there are some very important reasons to do with empathy but also with our learning ability um but I also then do workshops I, I do creative writing writing workshops with with smaller groups in schools and I actually spend quite a lot of time in primary schools doing workshops oh, nice. I don't write for primary kids but I'm like because I tell them you can't read my books they're too scary for you you have to wait until you're older they all want to read my books so I'm like yeah well just don't forget don't forget when you're older here's my name get yourself down to that library um yeah, yeah I was I was I agree completely especially about the library so I mean, every every weekend I'd be going down to the library once a week uh, and get into books out because I mean I was incredibly ill in my teenage years and you know 
a book was my escape. Like, and just kind of got me out of my head for a bit. And to the point where, I, even though I hadn't been to the library for 25 years, the librarians who were like, no, junior librarians still remember me and asked my mum about me. 25 years on. Do you know, honestly, big up the librarians. It, yeah. I mean, they. I always try and sneak a librarian into my book. <laughs> the one there's a, there's a tiny scene in Beauty Sleep that pretty much only exists so I can get a librarian doing something nice or share me with a homeless kid in, in the story um, it doesn't really need to go to the library but I'm like I owe I honestly think I owe libraries my life at least twice in my life when I was growing up as a kid um, I was not a happy kid so I had good friends, but I was not, I was not a very happy kid, right from very small. You know, my mum died when I was very little. My dad remarried and life was a bit difficult. And I would, the one thing my stepmom, well, she did a lot, actually, my stepmom. I don't think I appreciated it at the time. Um, she, she made sure we had a library bus that came around. We always went to the library bus. We, she, uh, you know, we could, I always went and borrowed books. So there was always access to reading material, even though she actually hated she hated having them around the house but I grew up with that with that feeling that books were available and, and to find out that I could go on my own and borrow eight books for three weeks you would remember this feeling oh, all these books for me <laughs> for me um, it, it was just uh, honestly uh, just um, a, a sanctuary a sanctuary so when I was growing up definitely it was a place where I could rest my head uh, and and a place where I could would the focus would be you know I could pour myself into another world and just be totally absorbed in it and then when my kids were little and I love my children but babies are quite boring I mean I know that's not a very fashionable thing to say it's not is it you're supposed to be just like oh I'm just oh it's all rosy and lovely well it is a lot of the time but a lot of the time it's also very tedious and so I'd go to the library with the kids you know and, and we'd go to story time and get books out together and they could play around in the little kids section and choose their books while I was getting my books honestly lifesaver, lifesaver. Oh, yeah. every time you try and axe the libraries I'm out there you touch them libraries. absolutely agree yeah because I mean library did more than just a place where you get books it's like entire you know done properly it's entire community hub I mean like there's uh, reading groups there there's you know community groups it's like internet access for people that don't have it computer access i mean my mother-in-law goes to a uh, library to get books out and also to use the computers there because they, they've got internet access yeah, and absolutely. and yeah it's just yeah i'm agree completely uh, i really 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 against any attempts at accessing libraries because they're more than just books right do you want to hear my theory about this Gone. I'm getting political now. Please do. I think, I think there are certain governments who want to get rid of our libraries because the library is is uh, the poor man's access to knowledge. Yeah. That is the place where you can educate yourself. I know we have the internet now, and people say that, but the internet is a very cluttered place. A good librarian in a library can direct you to exactly what you need. They will know the stock. They will know what you need. I I, I think it is. The most leveling thing a society can have. If you want to level up, you make sure there's bloody good libraries in every single town across the country that people can get to. 
There you go. I'm standing for that in my next political yeah. campaign. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. The, the, I, I love the internet. I love the, all the knowledge, the wealth of knowledge you can get. The problem is you have, is your average Joe will get, will, will take what he's, he or she is spoon fed by the, by the, yeah. the sort of the, the ruling classes, as it were. They will literally just accept what it is. Whereas if you're going to a library, you're voluntarily going somewhere to find something to read and research it. So you've got a mindset there. Whereas if you're just, if you're just on your Facebook stream, and going, the Daily Mail's told me that foreigners are bad. And well, of... it's like, it's an echo chamber effect, especially like on social media. And also, you tend to subconsciously lean towards information that kind of uh, aligns, resonates. resonates with you, that aligns with your kind of outlook. So rather than having your outlook challenged, it just confirms it and therefore, you know, Make, you know, encourages it, which can be you know, unhealthy on both sides of the spectrum, I will add this. Yeah, Just I think to... that's really true. And I think it's also um, diminishing our ability to have good debate. You know, people can have different opinions uh, and still be able to discuss those opinions rationally. Yeah. And you may move a little bit either way if you're able to do that. What happens now is you just get two sides fronting up against each other and the divisions are getting wider and it's I try it's to make a very I, worrying. I try to make a point on my Facebook and it's something I'm very I'm very aware of now is the is this echo chamber thing. So I have people on my Facebook who I fundamentally disagree with on a lot of things, but they're there for the simple reason that I need to see what they're saying and stuff like that. So I have a different view on it. Like I've got fundamentalist Christians. I've got, you know, um, I've got, there's a flat earther in there. Um, there's, um, there's people who like completely go against my sort of kind of liberal atheist fundamental things and they're like complete i've got really like really strong christian types who sort of you're always firing stuff on there and i do it because i like seeing the other side of the coin and i like to sort of have that bit of a debate every now and again when it pops up i've got like things like there's a there's a paper back home called the the belfast telegraph and it's it's effectively like it's like the daily mail but sort of for belfast and it, it's just like lobs and grenades so the the catholics and the protestants the loyalists and the nationalists can have a go at each other and it's it's so it, it's so toxic but i have it there because it lets me see what both sides are saying and then i can sort of have a view a more worldly view and things so i like have these things like i completely disagree with and it annoys me when people write these things but i have to have it there because it's like it makes me sort of kind of um have that sort of more rounded view on the world um you know i agree i i I actually think you can't it's a mistake to not try and understand and this is why empathy matters i think i mean i don't know what your opinion is of brexit um but i was quite open-minded when they first started talking about brexit i was like okay well let's you know being farmers i see the downside of uh having very close relationships with the EU. We were quite often stuffed over for imports coming in from Europe. Um, and I don't I didn't really hold with the with the subsidy system the way it the way it worked. It kind of pushed you into doing things that you might not necessarily have otherwise done, whereas there might be more sustainable things that you wouldn't get funding for. But you have to pay in, so you want to get your money out. Um, so I was in two minds and I came down the side that I wanted to 
stay. I, I, you know, I, I looked at the whole debate and thought, I want to stay. And then as it polarised, you know, and people were kind of saying, oh, Brexit is, they're just stupid. They're not, they're not hearing the debate. They're being conned. What that does is it means there's no debate. Yeah. The, yeah. the debate stops. You know, one, one goes one way, one goes the other way. And, and neither ch- side has a chance of persuading the other. And I think it's a huge Well, that's how yeah. Trump, that's how Trump. That's how Trump got in, isn't it? Because you had a you had a yeah. left you had a left wing that was effectively mocking um, sort of moderate right wing people, and they just sort of instead of having this sort of like I'm going to I'm going to discuss this with people and learn more, I'm just going to shut up because all we're getting told is we're fascists and we're racists and we're yeah. this, and so they just kept quiet and they just voted, and that's what the same thing would happen with Brexit. And I was very because it had obviously implications with Northern Ireland and stuff. I was very pro Remain, yeah. very very pro Remain and stuff, and um. I, I I have to say, like, I, I was very vocal about it and stuff, but, like, afterwards thinking about it, it's just, like, it's much, instead of just shouting at people that they should be voting, I should have maybe been a bit more sort of engaging with it and stuff and sort of kind of, okay, I understand Yeah, this. it's thinking, well, why why do these people want to want to leave? What yeah. is it that's making them really think that this is a good idea? Because they, they were being told it was a lot about migration. We knew, as farmers, we, we, this country... There are no people who want to pick fruit. They don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, we're going to try with this new project, and it'll be interesting to see. We're going to really try and engage with the local community, and work with the way um, things used to work. You know, life has changed. You could no longer have kids running around in fields while you're trying to pick fruit. That is not allowed anymore. Um, so, so you've got to try and work with if you want mums and dads who are you know home while the kids are at school to come in work you've got to try and work around their hours so we're going to really try and do it and it'll be interesting to see how that works but why do people feel i mean very legitimate reasons they thought wages would go up and they have you know i mean that's true that's why jeremy corbyn wanted it out of europe right wages have gone up the flip side of that is everything else is going up as well and maybe if we hadn't had the ukraine war it wouldn't have to, i don't know i don't know I yeah just think the thing to, the thing that sort of gets me most about it is that I, you know, I hear the idea of it, and I understand people going, "Well, all these other yeah, things, have ha- all these other things have happened." But conversely, if you were making such a big change in society, uh, you would have had contingency plans for other things going wrong. But yeah. they haven't had any of those plans, and it's got to the point, oh, and this really annoyed me. It had what's his name? He he's basically he was the the leader of. Uh, uh, not Brexit Party, uh, UKIP after Farage. He was on. He was on the radio, and he was basically going. They asked him, "So, has, is Brexit is is Brexit working out?" And he went, "No." And and he's just like, "So, what, what's the point of it then?" And he was just like, "Well, they um, they didn't have a plan and did this." I said, "Yeah, but you were the one who were pushing for something to happen, uh, telling people about all this stuff, and then." It didn't happen, yeah. and you knew there was no plan. So why did you push yeah. forward with it? And that's the one thing that frustrates me is because the, it, as yeah. much as on its own, 
yeah, it, I personally think we are poor because of it. But it could have. I would. Pref, I, I. I would want it to work because I don't want the country to go down the tube. But because there was all this yeah. other stuff that happened afterwards, and there was no contingency for basically yeah. shit happening, they it just literally just went from being bad to being an absolute shit show. And now we're just. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's just like, but there's yeah. nobody thought about it. It was just like this is something that no. we've done emotionally. This is what we want emotionally. I was like, but you're not thinking about it straight, yeah. And because people like me were just going, you're being racist and stuff and i have people who are just going i want out because there's a load of there's a load of muslims in my street and stuff i say yeah but that's not that's not all about it and yeah they're, they're, it's just sort of Bre- brexit isn't going to do anything about that yeah exactly i mean fundamentally for me I, I it did come down to an emotional decision really i wanted to stay i didn't want a world that was creating more division yeah exactly you know? I'm there's, a, and there's enough division yeah and, and i'll be heartbroken if scotland goes and if i oh, yeah. i think that might happen yeah, exactly. And that's that's well. another thing. That's a very upsetting thing. They, through the, the 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 irony of it all is the irony of it all is all the big loyalist types in Northern Ireland who have been ba- who are literally so so pro Brexit. They've they've literally shot themselves in the foot and they've caused yeah. a situation where unity in Ireland is becoming a lot more sort of kind of uh, feasible and a lot more people pushing for it. And it's because of of, of loyalists and people who have done this and Scott. And they're they're banging their drum and stuff, and they, yeah. because they're going to break up a union, and you're going to break yeah. up a union, and it's the the one thing that you wanted to keep together, and you've created the situation, the perfect storm for this thing to fall apart, and it's just like, why did you do that? And there was no forethought, there was no sort of like, uh, oh yeah, this might happen. It was just like, we don't want this because we're this, and then it it just and it, that frustrates the hell out of me because it's just like, I'm a globalist, so I believe in human beings should be together. We should all be, you know, there's all about well being sort of like um what's the word you know uh having your own your own cultural things and stuff like that but as human beings we should all work together be better evolve as better human beings and stuff and having all these little subsects and and little sort of cliques and and tribalism and stuff it's like it shouldn't be we should be a part of something bigger and better and working to progress human race and stuff and it just I agree. Yeah, I think more importantly, like, we've all almost kind of learned, well, not learned, become less inclined to reach compromise. Compromise has been seen as a weakness, as got, yes. as a failure, rather than. But it's completely the opposite. It's exactly. a total strength. That's what binds people together. I've been married thirty-four years. I know what compromise <laughs> is. <laughs> Do you know what compromise is, or does your husband know what compromise is? Uh, well, we, we kind of come to this agreement <laughs> that I compromise in his favour, if the compromise is necessary, when it's to do with the business. Uh, because really, you know, he is the, the he is the one who gets up on the crack of the lawn and does all the dirty jobs. And he compromises in my direction when it's to do with the family and, okay. like, home stuff. Um, you, you respect each other's strengths, then. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with. Um, there's one thing that sort of always, you know, uh, pride comes a lot into, this, especially in politics and stuff. People refuse to accept that they're wrong because if they're proven well, wrong, well, it's, that's more to do with ideological purity. Yeah, when they want to be seen as like no, as the most left, the most right, the most whatever. When and any any kind of opposing views that doesn't align with their ideology, ideology is therefore wrong, regardless of whether it's factually correct, 
if it's ideologically incorrect, then they will not, you know, will accept it. Like, but again, we're coming back to the whole aspect of echo chamber and aligning with beliefs rather than facts. Yeah. Well, I, and, this, and this is I'm what. Throw something else in. This, this, this has gone a very strange direction. This this conversation, but I'm going to throw something else in here. We got you in the talk about um, books, and we're this talking is politics. Where the ideas and... from my books come. I should be taking notes. Um, I think the thing it, it is to also to do with the patriarchy. Please don't groan. Hear me out. But you know. Being seen as strong, not backing down, that's strength, right? Because you don't see strength in compromise, whereas I see strength, a lot of strength in compromise because yeah. it knits things together. Being strong and going in your direction, just like Bart Simpson, I'm going to skateboard naked down the high street and no one's going to stop me. That's seen as a strength of character and, a str- and, then we, and we want that. We want strong leaders. That's about masculine, so-called masculine traits. That's the patriarchy in action there and it's bad for us bad for us so smash the patriarchy you know we're going to fix it all <laughs> absolutely no because I mean, like uh, like typically feminine characteristics of of bridge building compromising negotiating and almost being the soft leadership skills are seen as weak no stereotypically and they are. yeah i think we need not. a non-binary world We've had this a bit of this discussion before. Yeah, we have. We need a non-binary world where those things are not seen as male or female or weak or strong. But you know that, that that each has their own value. I mean, granted, sometimes you need to be strong um, if you're building a house, for example. Um, but not necessarily when you're running a country. You don't need. To. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, like, what yeah, I mean, it's negotiating using strength is. An oxymoron. You need to negotiate softly to find out what the other wants. What what uh, what what are the willing to offer? What will they accept? Yeah. And what are you willing to offer? And find that bridge in between. Find what is acceptable to both of you. And you... do you remember the power of the story of the sun and the wind? Do you, have you ever heard? No, I've not it's heard a this. A really one. old story. So. Um, the sun and the wind had a competition to see who could make somebody. There was a man walking down the road and they wanted to see who was stronger. Um, so they wanted to make the man take his coat off. And the wind said, well, I'll be able to do it. I'm going to blow his coat off because I'm so strong. I'm going to blow his coat off. And it will be. But the more the wind blew, the more the man pulled the coat around him and just held onto the coat and would not remove the coat. So this came for the sun to have her turn. And she just beamed down on the man until he slowly was getting warmer and warmer and of course what he did was slide the coat off his shoulder so the sun won by being gentle and spreading her warm whereas the wind did not win because the man just doubled down and refused to take off his coat and that is the fable that's right. Absolutely. You, you push too far, and you, you get it. You push too far, then people just sort of entrench themselves. They push, they push back. Exactly. Yeah, they push back. They entrench themselves. Exactly. Um, um, I'm just very like I'm very aware of. I know when like I'm a quite a competitive person. My family is quite competitive. Me and my brother play board games all the time. We're very competitive. We don't like losing. But I've I've more recently in the last sort of like ten years or so have sort of tried to if I'm wrong about something owning it and sort of going you know what i am wrong and instead of having that because you get that pang of pride comes up like oh you can't be wrong because that makes you look yeah. like an idiot but you kind of go do you know what i was wrong i'm sorry i'm gonna learn from but this i'm gonna own that yeah, yeah I'm gonna there's own a that. secret matter out there there's a secret you need to learn 
we're all idiots. Trust me, we're all idiots. We can all be wrong. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> apart from my wife. My wife. I've got it. Little geek. Let's have a little geek step back here, right? Because you did mention games, and it is coming up to Christmas, and we discover like family game time is like yeah the best thing about. Um, all my family selfishly have gone away, and there is now no one for me to play board games with. So when I have them back, I right, okay. Sci-fi last... weekend. We all have a game session. Did that happen? No, but we could have we could have one. It should it should definitely happen. Yeah. And I, the game I'm putting into the into the ring for this because it deals with Matt's thing about well you can play it in a really aggressive I must win way, but also you can play it in a quite um, collaborative way. Is Carcassonne? Have you ever played Carcassonne? Yeah. Oh, oh Carcassonne. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Carcassonne. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not played it actually. Um, I've, I'm, <laughs> if it doesn't have little sort of army men that I can paint, um, then you can have army men. You can <laughs> have army. Well, they're not. They're made of cardboard. Yeah. You can, they're, I've, they're I've seen it. Army. I've seen it. But yeah. there are so many add-ons. Yeah. Add farms. Yeah. We obviously have the addition where you can add on the farms and castles and inns and taverns. It's just, uh, amazing. Yeah, if there's uh, there's a game we always play at Christmas at my house, um, and it's it, it's called uh, Articulate, and it's a very sort of kind of it's literally you just have to, you've got a card, uh, yeah. And there's a sort of line depending yeah. on what type of thing, and you've got to describe without saying the word, and somebody has to describe. And we play that every year and have done for the last fifteen years or something. I have never lost a game. I am currently the champion at this moment of time. Ironic because I'm dyslexic. Matt, but... you are literally so he needs a crown that says most competitive. Yeah. Um... <laughs> the thing is we have a trophy. We have a trophy in the house and it literally it goes and we do we have it like we, we go uh, we have it in the we play it in the pub with the it got to the point where it was just a family and we bring it on holiday with us and we play it uh, with the family and then we play it at Christmas every year. And then it got to the point where it was such a big thing that we we started bringing it to the pub with us in in Ballycarry and uh, back in the village where I am, and they, the people all of there were playing. So you'd have like twenty people in groups of four or five, sort of like you know uh, playing this game and stuff. I still haven't lost, still winners, <laughs> but like it's the, it's an amazing game, uh, and it's just literally just a word game. But there's another one which we brought up most recently, and it's called the Resistance, and it's a card based game. Oh, where yeah. it's kind of like um, it's kind of like oh, I'm definitely taking notes. The resistance mm-hmm. is resistance. The resistance. resistance. So basically, it's like a card game. So basically, I again, like I'm into sort of miniature games and war games and stuff like this. But this game is so good. It takes about five minutes to play, but you you play different. You can play different rounds, and you each get a card with a person on it, and they're either going to be a um, government uh, working for the. Um, the government this sort of fascist government or they're going to be a resistance fighter but you can't tell anybody that you're a part of the resistance oh, and what you brilliant. and what you have to do is you get this card everybody looks at it and then they put it down and then what you have to do is you take turns choosing who's going to go on a mission with you uh each person takes a turn to choose who's going to go on a mission with them and there's a certain amount of people and then you go right. I'm bringing. I'm bringing you, Karen, and I'm bring. Um, and I'm bringing. Uh, Catherine, sorry, and I'm bringing. Uh, you, Pete, and uh, we're going to go on this mission. And then everybody else has to go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, well, Pete was being a bit odd recently, and I'm not sure if you should bring him because if he's That's doing, normal for me. Yeah, he, he's going to fail this mission. <laughs> and basically, it's up for the the um, what's it called? The rebels have to fail three missions. Whereas the government wants to have to pass three missions and stuff. So what you can do is you can sort of like pass one 
if you're a rebel, you can pass one just to sort of put you out of suspicion and then feel kind of go, well, I was on that last mission and it, and it, and it passed and stuff. And then you get yourself on to the next mission and then you sort of fail it. And then you go, well, you know, I was in the last one and I passed, whereas he wasn't on that last mission. Therefore, he must be the spy. And then you, there's like this back and forth and it gets really, really intense sometimes. <laughs> I've had him. I've had I'm him definitely getting that game. It's so good. Because that sounds like it's quite a small one. Oh, it's like really it's small. It's like, like a, it's a small yeah. box. It takes like each game takes five, ten minutes and it it has no knock on effect to the next game. It, it all resets. You, you although, although friendships will suffer. Oh yeah, big time. My friend and his missus, um, he turned around to her and he went if you're lying to me we're over <laughs> he was just like we're over because he was getting really like annoyed and she's not and it's the same with my brother my brother was just like I'm not lying to you man. I'm definitely telling the truth and because I'm a trusting chap I believed him and it turned out he was a spy little shit and I was just like ah oh, no so it's, I've it's never trusted any of them. Yeah, so it's a great game. Mm-hmm. And like, it's it's completely against all the sort of games I like, It's but it's amazing. And it's really good, especially if you've got like six to eight people as well. It makes If there's too many, if you get 10 people, it gets a bit too much. But sort of like five, six people, eight people max, it's really good, especially if you've had a few drinks and, you know, you just people just oh, arguing with each other. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, it's really good. We've got a family favourite. It's called Pit, and it's a really, really old game. I mean, I think it's probably definitely 19th century. I mean, we the version we've got is from the 1930s. It was, wow. in, it was my husband's aunties. Yeah. I mean, I've, you can still get it. That's how good this game is. It's just a card game. It's a trading game. Um, it's basically you're trading stocks and shares, but you're, you're moving cards around. And the idea is to be the one who has collected the most points. But What's it called? Pit? A bull and a bear card. Pit, yeah, it's really, it's very noisy, which really suits my family, and it's really fun. But the the person who is really good at it in our family is the Marxist. That's um, you know, ultimate capitalist game. Person who excels is the one who is studying Marxism. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay, there's different versions of it and stuff. Yeah, okay, cool. All right. Okay. Are you having a little Google? Yeah, I just Google it. Right. Yeah. I mean, one game I found that worked really well, especially when we were in lockdown, was D and D. Like, I ran sessions of D and D for for my family, so like, and like for my wife and uh, children, and they had an absolute blast. I mean, we couldn't go out anywhere. And my, went... my daughter did; she'd never played it before, and there, and and was playing it, and she she loved it. She yeah. really loved it. But it's storytelling as well, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's very collaborative, which is what you another thing you were mentioning as well. And yeah, I mean, actually, I'm just um, finishing the final edits on a peer-reviewed essay that's been published next month, uh, all being well for this is an academic journal. Congratulations! Oh, very that, nice, very nice. It's terrifying. I've had like three pages just on references. And because and and like it's a peer review, so the world kind of questions there. Where's that? What's this from? Can you back that up? And oh, well, it would be like when you write a novel and you put place base it in a real place, and they're like, well, you can't go down that street and get that bus at that time. Actually, thank you. <laughs> you'll, I mean, you'll find that uh, the the, yeah. the two twenty four <laughs> doesn't come at three o'clock. Actually, but the bit, I will still say the editors are fantastic. Um, I'm in the process of writing the story. It has been in the process for se- several years now, but I just get distracted by journalism. And be- 
obviously I was right at this uh, scene in London where the driver could see the Houses of Parliament on one side and the London Eye on the other. And I thought, well, there's this bit in, quite a bit in London. I'll give it to C.C. Adams, who also lives in London, is a, a prolific horror writer. I said, oh, have a read of that, see what you think. Just reading through it. And he goes, yeah, Pete, the only way you'd see that is if you were driving down the middle of the Thames. Yeah. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, just like, huh? Oh, yeah. And it's like, yes, you're absolutely right. And you can't be on a boat. So I'm going to have to rewrite that, aren't I? <laughs> that but, is useful to know. That will save you years of pain. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've, you know, obviously you are a public author. Have you had people coming up to you going, well, I think actually you'll find this. Don't you know what the worst thing, and it's quite sad, really. I, I mean, no spoilers, but at the end of More of Me, oh no, it is going to be a massive spoiler, actually. Um, at the end of More of Me, um, oh, I, I have to say it. So, spoilers. Something terrible happens to the central character, and I very often get people saying to me, "Why did you do that? What? Why? Why?" And there is a very good reason why it had to happen. You know, it's a book about growing up and moving forward with your life, and this is a book about cloning. <laughs> So she, she has to be able to walk away from the previous version of herself. Some bad thing has to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and I see sad, upset faces and I'm just like, I, I'm really sorry about that. But also I'm really not sorry. And I'm quite glad you cried because that means I did my yeah. job. Really you got an emotional response from yeah. the reader. Yeah, I know. And, I'm, and writers are quite cruel like that. You know, when you set out on that path, that is what you want but there was a good reason for it i didn't write it for no reason it wasn't it wasn't gratuitous do you ever get get, ever kind of respond to going oh good (laughs) i do have a little wicked glint when they say (laughs) so you're not too precious about your main characters and stuff you will sort of do bad things to them then you're not you know. Oh come on, that's the funnest bit, isn't it? <laughs> See, I've always found like when that's I do say more about me. When I do creative writing, I'm I'm always very protective of my guy. It's like I've just built this guy up. I don't want to kill him <laughs> off. <laughs> well, it's, it's like Stephen King once said, "said kill your darlings." Yeah. Um, well, this yeah. is it's like. Have this, you read Stephen King's book on writing? Yeah. Oh, I've got it literally just there. I've read it a few times. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's the best book on writing I've ever read. It's Have really you... good. Another another good one is uh, J. Michael Straczynski's um, Becoming a Writer and Staying a Writer. I haven't read that, no. Really? <laughs> maybe, maybe I should. It's re- really I actually, it's really, 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 really good. Um, it gives all the kind of, like, it means like how he became a writer and how he just kind of kept being a writer. I mean, like, he created Babylon 5 and sense and... Spider, well, he didn't cry, but he wrote Spider Man. It gave like explain how he did it all, and it's incredibly good. I do recommend it. I, oh, I'll read that. I will for sure read that. I'll rank it alongside um, Stephen King uh, on writing anytime. Read Definitely, yeah, really, really recommend it. Yeah, I've got so much. I've got so many books in my backlog. I've got to the point where I I just do audio books now, just so I can do other things and have them on in the background and stuff. So currently listening to um, uh, V uh, V Castro's uh, Vasquez. Oh yeah. I'm currently li- I... listening to that at the minute and stuff while I do things. Uh, but I've got although I've got a, like a backlog of books mm. to sort of go through at the minute. How do you find uh, audio books, Catherine? I, I do listen to audio books. Um, I, I think they're fantastic. I mean, I, I do a lot of driving, so I'm, I'm quite often yeah. in the car. Um, in fact, 
when I came up to Sci-Fi Weekender, it was a really long trip for me. It was like seven hours. Um, where where, where did you drive from? So from? From home. I'm right down on the south coast. Oh, so to get yeah. up, Really? Seven hours yeah, from the quite, whereabouts? Because it takes five hours for me from Manchester to get to Norwich and stuff. Oh, um, this was, it was seven hours because I, I'm not commenting on the political action because I believe in the political action. But it is quite annoying when people are closing the M25. Ah, right, right. right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so it was quite a long time in the car, and I was listening to Bryony Pierce's book. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, was it? No, the other one. Ah, oh, what's it called? One of her adult thrillers, quite crime books. And because I've never read any of her crime, I've, re- I've read a lot of her sci fi. Yeah. Probably most of it. Um, uh, but I'd never read, and we were doing this panel thing together, and I wanted to read one of her panels. Oh my God, it was so good. It was so good. I, I didn't want to get out of the car. I ended up driving around Great Yarmouth. Little Rumours, was it? No, it was the other one. Not It wasn't Little Rumours. The Girl on the Platform? Uh, yes, The Girl on the Platform. Fantastic. Really good. So And, I lo- and I'm, I've been listening to, I've been doing quite a lot of research for my, um, I'm writing a younger novel, a time travel novel. Ooh. Um, and I'm listening to um, Stephen Fry. I've just listened to Stephen Fry's Roaring Twenties, and I, I'm going to listen to his Edwardian book on Edwardian secrets as well, because it's it's a kind of quirky take on the history, and it just appeals to me. Um, and I and I listen to someone walking the dog. So it just it's it's time. Yeah. That I can get other extra stuff done. Yeah, love them, love them. And I actually think if you're not a reader. The action of reading is difficult for you for whatever reason. Audiobooks are almost as good. I mean, if yeah. I'm remembering a book, um, I, I read a lot um, physically. I can never remember whether I've read a book or, or listened to it. You know, if it's read yeah. well, it makes no difference. I don't tell anyone this. Probably shouldn't say this. I don't like the audio version of More Than Me. I don't like it. Oh. It's got an American... Yeah, the, actress, and she's brilliant. She's lovely, but Tiva is northern, and in my head, this character yeah, sounded there's, northern. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of sort of like audiobooks which um, Gar it was a Gareth Powell was was we had Gareth Gar- Powell. Powell yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and like his books sound amazing. But I I went straight like after our, our podcast I went out and I, I'm gonna get these and stuff and I'm gonna give them this and I couldn't I couldn't listen to them because the 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 audio um the actress they had for it was just so robotic and so sort of like I was just like this is killing it it's killing it's making me feel like the book's bad and I know it's probably not so I was just like I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to this because I'll buy the book and I'll read it because whatever they've done with the audio it's, it's just it's not it's not don't clicking it's not working for me and stuff and it's uh, like I, it wasn't the actress i just want to say it was not the actress she's she's lovely and she did a great job but she was reading the american version of, of my book yeah and she's american you know yeah. so and and they had americanized it yeah they i'm i'm a very i'm a massive fan of jonathan keeble for audiobooks and stuff so basically he does a lot of the sort of um horace heresy books and stuff and uh and oh my god, he's so good! He, like, because he does, he does different accents, and he does sort of different. He, he he does everything. He does female voices, he does male voices, he does everything, and he's just like the alt for me. The ultimate audio person is Jonathan Keeble. He's so mm. good. Because you need a, a narrator, yeah. you no know, actual to, that is able to narrate the story properly, rather yeah. than. And also, this is like how you envision the character. 
Yeah. It's different. Like, and that is like a hard trick for a narrator to, you know, kind of evoke. Because I mean, and there are some books I think if you if you're listening to a book like um that you really loved growing up as a kid, you I always think um the special thing about books is that you write them, a writer writes them, and if you're lucky to get, you get to work with an editor, so there's already a kind of a team thing going on in the production of a book, but it doesn't really live until it's in the hands of a reader. And they put their own thought and impressions yeah. into that book and make it something that I will never know. It will live in their head in a very different way to the way it lived in my head, which is kind of a really amazing, um, fascinating thing. But when you then listen to an audio book, and it happened to me with Terry Pratchett, some of the some of the stories I, I love, they're different readers or, or um or they're they're acted. Funnily enough, if they're acted, if they're done like plays, if they're dramatized, I prefer it. If it's being narrated, uh, it just sounds wrong because it's not the voice that I read those yeah, books yeah, in yeah, my yeah. head, you know, that the Terry Patchett that I Yeah, yeah. Well, that I, I loved and grew up with. It just feels different yeah it's like i um I, like i've read all the like sh- i was a massive sharp fan and i was i've read all the bernard Cromwell uh sharp mo- novels and uh i got the most recent yeah. one which is sharp assassin and i was like i don't have time to read this and it's i bought the book because i was like i'm gonna read this but it's just sat my bedside table for years and, and the ages i mean and i never read it so it's like i'm gonna get this an audiobook so i got it an audiobook and it was just like the first thing that hit me was the guy doing the accent for Sharp and the guy doing the accent for... The immediate response was, that's not Sean Bean. Yeah, and then Harper and stuff. And <laughs> I was just like, am I, but even that, not Sean Bean, but like in my head from the books before like the Sharp series came out and stuff, I was just like, that's not what I've got in my head. And oh, it was yeah. sort of putting me off slightly because I was just like, that's not how I feel like they should sound. But I, I, yeah. I, got, I got over it eventually because it was just like, I was sort of kind of... At least it was it wasn't yeah. bad narration. It was just my head. I was Re- just like, this yeah. is what they should sound like. Realistically, they should have just brought Sean Bean in just to just to narrate it. Some general principles. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um He was busy, he was making Yorkshire tea adverts. Oh yeah. That's For Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah. The only tea that matters. Yes. <laughs> different parts of my brain to audiobooks and i have no idea why i both listen to them the same way but I you think can zone I am... in and out of a podcast because you're yeah because yeah, there's a lot of just normal chit chat going on but there's certain there's there's bits of information because i do the same with podcasts i can have them going on around the house while i'm doing other things and i can sort of i'll zone into the bits i'm interested in and then sort of knock out when i'm doing stuff like it's there but it's not going in when i'm doing other things so you can kind of take them as you, you please kind of like our podcast ladies and gentlemen so you know you can have these in the background when you're doing your uh, when you're doing your um but your, really you should be listening to us religiously and asking questions yes exactly that's that's what you should be doing uh, and buying books yes uh, yeah. so what, what have you got like obviously we've 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 gone around the houses here we've talked about everything mm-hmm. bar sort of kind of what you're writing at the minute so what, it's been what like afternoon tea isn't it it's yeah. been like just having a little chat with your yeah. <laughs> sorry well, what are you writing at the minute Weirdly, I so the book I wrote in lockdown, which is um, kind of is a bit of a bit sci-fi, but it's it's not a bit 
basically the idea the idea behind the book is that there's this created world that where the gender um, privilege is flipped um, and it just didn't work and it was just an angry ranty mess and um, my publisher turned it down um, quite rightly I was very depressed when I wrote it in lockdown and it was just uh, my 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 uh, agent said it feels like it's three novels like you're trying to deal with too many issues that made you very angry um, it's not it's just not working so I put it aside and I wrote the first draft of a time travel novel which I, I've absolutely loved doing for younger kids so I'm not I'm revising that in the minute with a view to sending that um, to my agent uh, when I've done this round of edits but I discovered something really amazing um, and that's verse novels free verse novels in free verse um, I was sent one by a friend of mine Terry Terry who you may know because she writes a lot of sci-fi she wrote one of my favourite sci-fi books of all time, um, Mind Games. Uh, okay. it, I think it might be my favourite of her books, even though it wasn't the one that you know made the big splash. That was um, the Slated series did really, really well. Um, but Mind Games just blew me away. I absolutely loved it. And she said, she read this book and she said, and it, she had an ARC, you know, like an advanced reader copy so she could blurb the book, um, which was sometimes given the privilege to do. She sent me this book. She said, You've got, I've got to talk to someone about it, so you're going to have to read it. But she sent me this book, and I literally read it in two hours, and it blew my mind the power of this book. And then I found out that the writer, Louisa Reed, uh, the book is called The Activist, and it's, it's out now with my, my blurb in it, as well as Terry Terry's, because I was just like, I loved it so much. It just came from the gut. I, I had to say something about it. She was doing a workshop. At, at, conference I was at um, not a couple of weekends ago the SCPWI conference the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators I did her workshop on writing in free verse and it was like my heart had been opened up I can't even explain it it was like a door opened inside me and light just shone in and I, I I'm rewriting this novel in verse so and what, what just, is writing what is it. writing in verse what what is it it's kind of hard to explain it because it's it's poetry, but it's it's not it's more like lyrics. Okay. So it it it's um thinking it and I'm not of the generation of social media, but because of my nature and because I've always loved like um, new technology and connecting with new ways to communicate, I'm I've really embraced social media as um I know it has its downside all the positive sides of social media and I think people who connect in a way with TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and those soundbite little stories what they're looking for is something lyrical uh, musical in a way and I think that's what these books do they serve up story in not in soundbites but in it is verse but in easily digestible lyric it's like reading a song sheet but it's telling you a story it's like reading the words to an album that makes you know a cohesive story uh, it's my latest passion um, you might be able to tell from my enthusiasm for it it may never get published people might read it and think you can't write a sci-fi novel in this book. it sounds a lot like the ancient storytelling or epic poems and things like epic poems it's less restrictive because um, a lot of the epic poems are written with very, um, yeah, very restrictive uh, stanza forms. Um, and, and it's not that in, in free verse. It's free verse. 
so you can use whatever you want you know it's like you can fix a hikey up with a sonnet if you if you want to you can whatever works and what it does is it distills story it forces you to focus on what the heart of your story is um and for this particular book it distills the anger into something that is more palatable i think interesting um, i hope well we'll see we'll see i mean it may never get published my, i might send it to my agent which she might think i've gone completely insane <laughs> but i i well, she probably will Conceptually, it sounds really good. Yeah, it sounds really good. I mean, it it could, for instance, it could easily be like published in the poetry section as well. Uh, Well, the thing is, along with graphic novels, it's becoming um, a space where young people really tap into it. Young people who are reluctant readers and think that reading isn't for them, tapping into verse novels because you can read them in a couple of hours. Yeah, just like they're, they're very digestible. Um, and I mean, I've, I've been, obviously I've been reading a lot. I've just read a little book called Life on the Refrigerator Door. And it's a story about a girl whose mum dies of cancer. And it's just their messages to each other on the fridge door. Oh, uh, nice. It sounds stupid. It sounds crazy. Like it just, how could you possibly write a novel like that? And it's so moving and beautiful and poetic and lyrical. It's like, honestly, it's like a Taylor Swift album in book form. Really I just, cool. I just think it's a wonderful uh new it's not new it's not a new way but it's it is a new way of looking at the form and of serving serving the form and why should it not apply you know i love science fiction and i love the worlds that we could create um through having that uh open-mindedness about what a book is to be about why should i not try absolutely put my world absolutely we'll see we'll see Interesting. That's that it's not as very... easy as I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, 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 I'm just sort of trying to get my head around. But that being said, I used to like listen to sort of programs on Radio Four and stuff, and it was very lyrical. It, there were stories, but they were sort of kind of lyrical and stuff like that. So, and I always enjoyed those. So, yeah, I think uh, that's a good idea. I'm trying to think of the name of the story. Actually, I was listening to Radio Four that was on that sounds similar. I, the activist. I don't want to get you in trouble with copyright. It's, this is the book. This is the this is the proof of the book that I was sent that started. Nice. I'm reading loads more, so this is one I haven't read yet. This is uh, Manjeet Man, The Crossing. Um, I mean, oh, the other one I I just read was Long Way Down, which is about a kid whose brother is shot, um, and he's and he's been taught that he must get revenge for his brother's death, and he gets the re- elevator down to the ground floor of his tower block and as he's going down each level with this gun and his trousers at the back he meets all these ghosts of people who have been connected by this revenge theory i mean it's just honestly outstanding wow. and that i think fantastic. you can handle a story like that within the verse novel it's so moving like i really am a geek yeah, look i'm living up to your total geek pride i'm having my moment right? <laughs> good as you should yeah brilliant yeah yeah I love. I don't I... want to get you in trouble to read your bit. No, 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 no. Not yeah. mine. Can we get in trouble? No, I... no. It'll be fine. No. Uh, I mean, I, I could almost choose any any page of this book. Let me um, let me choose. Uh, oh, how can I choose one page to try and convince it you you really really want to read the first? I'll just read you this one. I don't know if this is going to be the best example because it's in the middle of the book. 
My mother wouldn't call herself a feminist. If you asked her, she'd say she believes in keeping the peace, knuckling down and getting on with things. And yes, I agree that peace is great in theory, but looked at slant, it's just an excuse to turn the other cheek. And this is, it's, it's a book about fighting back. And almost every page I wanted to capture it and go, this, this. And I think that's an amazing thing to do. Yeah. Um, so it's like each, each page is its own sort of encapsulating poem nearly yeah. on its own. It is. But it all has to push the story forward. So it all has to do the same things that story will do. You still have to build character. You still have to build your setting, which is slightly difficult for, for me, you know, within the within what what I'm trying to I'm trying to do. But yeah, I'm loving it, and it's and it's it's invigorating. Interesting. It's really invigorating. Yeah, I think. That's 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 intriguing, actually. Yeah, building characters yeah. within that. It's a it's a really because you have to do it in an engaging way, but also in a lyrical way. So yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. And driving a story, you know, I write, yeah. I write thrillers. I write stories that I want people to keep turning the page and yeah. what's going to happen, what's going. And this has got a massive humdinger of a twist at the end of it as well. <laughs> how am I going to do? I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm, I'm loving the challenge. And that's this is literally the thing that is in my mind, twenty four hours a day. I think I'm, li- I'm, I'm living, sleeping, breathing, eating, and finding it hard to step away from. In fact, it's in the background on my laptop right now <laughs> i'm talking to you i'm talking to you but i am thinking about my characters oh yeah <laughs> well whatever you what i found like whatever you're working on like a novel or whatever it's always in the back of your mind just kind of lurking there you're not actively thinking about it but it's just kind of percolating away and you'll find yeah. that, oh you kind of like momentary um glimpses of like ah inspiration Yes. Um, and, you know, the weirdest thing is sometimes things happen like um, you're, you're, I'll have written something and I don't know why I've done it. And I'm just annoying. Like, and I know it's going to happen. So this time travel novel I've written, I was reading through the edits and I found a dead body behind the toilet door. I forgotten I'd put it there. I'm not, I don't know why this person died. Who even was this person? I don't know. But, you know, what I do know from experience is there will come a point when I go, ah, that's why he died. Now, all of that is happening in my head. Nobody is giving me that. I don't believe I'm being gifted with this knowledge, but it feels like that sometimes. It feels like the story always existed and all you're doing is mining for it and just trying to find it and how those pieces lock together. I realise that makes me sound like a lunatic. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Right. Well, okay. Well, um, I'm sure we could actually probably bang on for a very long time, but uh, as it's getting late, we'll probably uh, sort of get to the tail end. Now, we always finish our podcast with um, a sort it's kind of like a pop quiz, but it's not sort of like, so we basically, we pick a franchise, we each pick a franchise, and then we give the other, uh, the others sixty seconds to guess that character within the franchise. So it could be. Oh, I'm scared because I won't be any good at this. This is <laughs> terrible, but it's <laughs> also quite funny. Yeah, so we, it's like it has to. You know, obviously we're not going to do what Pete does and go for stupidly obscure comic book characters that nobody's ever Once. heard of. Once. <laughs> But um, you basically, you choose a character and uh, you choose his franchise, you tell them what the franchise is, and then you've got 60 seconds to guess who the character is within that franchise. Um, and um, we can go there. So if you have a think, I'm not sure, you into your sci-fi, not sort of, you know, so I'm not sure what sort of sci-fi. Uh... Oh, no, I might surprise you. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. So, right. Well, um, you didn't say what the franchise had to be. Yeah, it could be whatever you want, as long as we've got a chance of guessing what it is. If, if neither of us, okay. if neither of us know what that is, then it's going to be a very well, short you, game. But... It will be a short piece. <laughs> so I, I, I have an idea. I have an idea. You might not like it, but okay. it's my choice. Okay, cool. Right. So, uh, I'll get my stopwatch out. Stopwatch. Um, Pete, do you have one ready? Um, yes. Okay, we'll start with Pete because he can then, we can show you how it goes. Okay, so what Pete, who's, what, what's your Give franchise? me a second, I just need, to, it's The Expanse. Oh, The Expanse, interesting. Yeah, I just need to quickly remind myself. Yeah, I know, no, sorry, yeah, go. Uh, right, okay, birth of a minute. Uh, let me get this up, watch out. Um, okay. Um, right, so... We have, oh, where's it gone to? Oh, there it is. Okay, the expanse. Sixty seconds. Go. Okay, are they are they from Mars? No. Are they a belter? Yes. Are they um? Are they are they ever on the Rosinante? Yes. Are they... Oh, what's their name? Is it a female? Is it a girl? It is a girl. Is it Drummer? Yes, it is a Drummer. Yes. <laughs> you literally just had a conversation there that I don't know. <laughs> I literally don't know what just happened. The ex- if you like sci-fi... Right, if you if... Do the other way around. Do, 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 do yours next, Matt, because I'm just checking that I've, I've got the right franchise. I, I'm... I'm... If, talking about that, yes, if you've I never have. if you've never seen The Expanse, Catherine, you should see it. It's as sci-fi goes, it is superb. I I, yeah. I, I, ne- I never rated it until I started watching it um, last I, year. And my const- after my yeah after after they literally browbeat me into watching it. it. It's it's possibly the best sci-fi that's ever been on TV. So I know I will do. I will do because I do you know I most of my sci-fi is is in book form. It's not it's not really watching stuff. Well, it used to be a book. Uh, it was uh, the expanse used to be a, an RPG, and then it was a or was it a book, and then an RPG, and then they made it into a series. It's a six part series. It's on Amazon, and it is it's it, it's scientifically quite sound as well because it adds in a lot of the sort of kind of the the real, actual real, yeah sort real of phys- world physics science. behind it and stuff. But it's so good, so good, so good. Okay, um, all right. What am I going to go for? I am going to go. What sort? Of, what sort of? What sort of things are you into? Are you into? Are you into Lord of the Rings? Are you into? Because I'm trying to think whether I'm Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or uh, Star Trek or Star Trek. Star Trek. Okay, I'm going to do. Shall I do one for Star Trek then? Um, like. Right. Let us do Star Trek then. So, uh, right. It can't be too easy. Yes, he can. Oh, please make it really, really easy. <laughs> I'm an old lady. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm an old lady. You all right. this on me. All right, all right. Uh, it's an easy-ish one. Okay, it's an e- no, it's a, it is an easy It's an easy one. Okay. Right. Star Trek, 60 seconds, go. Are they in the original series? No. Are they in the next generation? Yes. What? Are they only in the next generation? No. Are they, are they all... female? They are female. Are they on Deep Space Nine as well? 
oh god you're gonna think i haven't seen all the episodes of deep cs9 <laughs> possibly but uh, i don't know okay are they federation they are federation yes do they have very long, curly, gorgeous hair? She doesn't have curly, gorgeous hair. No, you're thinking you're thinking of Diana, aren't you? And that was a fantastic cosplay at, at uh, Sci-Fi Weekender. I know. Actually, I thought it was her. I literally wanted yeah. to kidnap her. No, nope. she looked amazing. Okay, not Diana Troy. Um, are they human? They are human. Okay. Okay, so 60 seconds is done. You can have one more <gasps> one more question and one more guess, and then we're done. So, Catherine, what's your question? Is she is she is she famous in the series for being a particular mother? She is a mother in the series. And I can't remember her name. Is it Dr. Beverly Crusher? It is Dr. Beverly Crusher for the win. (laughs) It is Dr. Beverly Crusher for the win. I wasn't sure if she was in Deep Space Nine because I've not seen it all, but she's obviously in the new Picard and stuff. So she's... um, Oh, yeah. And she's obviously in the films and things. So, yeah, cool. All right. So that's it. So what, what, what have you got for us? So my, my exception to the not watching things is is Red Dwarf. Ooh, oh, is that okay. allowed? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. Is that allowed? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, red Dwarf. So it's Red, it's red, it's red Dwarf. Okay, so uh, Red Dwarf 60... This will be our first Red Dwarf one, actually, I think. Red Dwarf yeah. 60 seconds. Go. Are they human? No. Are they a hologram? No. Are they... Um, Alive. Yes. Are they? Uh, are they a mammalian cat? No. Are they a um, gelf? Uh, oh! <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Gelf. Right. Um, were they in emo hawk? Polymorph two. Oh. Oh, do you know I can't remember the name of the episode. Sorry. <laughs> the girls is the girls the one where they that. sort of they, they, they feed on their did... emotions, is it? Oh, did well like, there are there are different girls. Oh, yeah. Did Lister have to marry girl, one? But it may not it, it's a very specific girl. Okay, okay, did, right. So did sixty seconds marry one. Is that the sixty seconds up? Sixty seconds is up, so we've got one more question okay. each and then we can make a guess. Was Dave Lister betrothed to them? They, well, they uh, Dave Lister was not betrothed to them. Okay. It wasn't Dave. But it wasn't them. Okay. Ooh. It wasn't Dave. Uh, can I tell you? Yeah, go on then. Oh, I, you want to guess? You get one last guess. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm completely, my, I don't know. Pete, Pete is so nearly there. Okay, is it the if one of the crew did have a relationship with this with this creature? It wasn't Dave. Was it? Ah, um... oh, oh no! I'm going to have to. No, I'm going to have to. Go. It's the pleasure girl. Oh yes. Okay. Yes. All yes. right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well done. 
Yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. First red dwarf in it as well, which is which is odd because well, we I'm, thought I'm we'd sort of have. Very red... proud to be holding up the red dwarf um, flag. <laughs> that is a big family thing here. Red dwarf. We you know practically every episode inside. Dwayne out. Dibley. Dwayne Dibley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, a, a it really, really has. Thank been... you so much for having me. Yeah, you're and more, you're than, more than us. welcome to come back on whenever. If when you finish your lyrical book, by all means, please come on and uh, and read us some from it. Even if you don't publish it, tell you if my agent thought I was crazy. Well, even if, you, if she thinks you're crazy, bring it back on. The you know, especially you know, if she thinks you're crazy. Yeah, especially if okay. she thinks you're crazy, <laughs> bring it back on. What, what, what. We can have a read through it. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, th- thank you very much. Uh, is there anything? Is there any places you want people to see? Any websites or anything like that? Oh, you know, no. I mean, I'd love people to read my books. Beauty Sleep, more of me are the two books that are out. If they're interested in, they can come find me on Inc. or I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. All Catherine things. Evans, also on Catherine Evans Inc. All of yeah and probably many more when we thought twitter was going to implode discord and hive and all the things oh, you name it I, I, too many too many really are you t- are you tiktok Stop. famous well i had a few videos that have gone viral on tiktok yeah all right, cool. Uh, my, my my dog's TikTok famous. He's got 146,000 oh, really? 146, you follow him. 146,000 followers. That's just That's amazing. <laughs> Who's your dog? I, well, it's it was basically my TikTok, so it's just Matt Geek Pride. It's my TikTok which turned into his TikTok over lockdown because people are more interested in Tibetan mastiffs in than dogs. they are. Dogs are cute. No, more interested well, in dogs. I, that's what, basically what happens in, in lockdown was that uh, I was really sad about how shit the kids were having it, the time the kids were having, and I think they were just really happy that an old person cared. Yeah. So my videos got shared a lot, but I don't have lots of followers because, um, I mean, I have, you know, like seven and a half thousand. Yeah. Not huge numbers, but I have it's... hundreds of thousands of yeah, well, the thing is, like, I we the only reason Boz's or more, my TikTok or Boz's TikTok got famous was because one video, one video, um, got thirteen million views because it and it was that's, that's what it takes. It literally it? just him that coming, coming him him coming in, in out of the snow, and 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 that sort of blew it up. But apart from that, like my other videos don't get more than a couple of thousand views and stuff. Sometimes, sometimes not very much because it's just me walking the dog and going, "This is the Tibetan." Yeah, sometimes it. a couple of hundred, and then yeah. and then one will go mad, and you'll have thousands, and you're yeah. like, oh, what, what, <laughs> "How do I recreate this? I'm How do I get the? <laughs> How do I recreate this?" Um, what is it, Matt Geek? Matt Geek Pride, all one word. Matt Geek Pride. M-A-T-T. I bet I already follow you. If you've got a big ass Tibetan master that's destroying the house all the time, it's probably me. So yeah, that's probably that's <laughs> the last video was probably a boss destroying my windows and me trying to fix it. Um, probably the the last ones I did. <laughs> I have definitely seen your dog. <laughs> Definitely seen your talk on TikTok. Yeah, basically, I'm, apparently, I'm, I'm, I was looking. At, I stupidly Google myself, but apparently, I'm one of the leading dog, uh, the, uh, the leading dog influencers for TikTok in the UK. That's <laughs> I was like, so really? Yeah, I just stick. I just literally yeah, took my dog brilliant. for a to walk, but uh, yeah, it's quite amusing. Anyway, so well, I'm, um, I'm following you now. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you'll get one right back. Um, thank you very much, Catherine. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, please do come back on uh, when you've got 
uh, your your book, and even if you, you, your agent doesn't and like it, bring it back on anyway. Who knows? You know. Um, okay, you know, so reason. yes, um, for tonight I've been Matt Geary. With me has been my co-host Peter Ellison. Good night, everyone, and our special guest Catherine Evans. Good night. Night. Good night. Good night.